Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 77 for November the 24th, 2011. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and my guest this week, once again, is the head of technology for Asia Pacific, Mr. Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. Long time since we've spoken. Yes, uh, it's good to hear from you again. I know you've been doing a lot of traveling, and uh, of course, it's Thanksgiving Day in the United States, of which neither of us are currently residing, although... Being uh, originally from the U.S., I'm uh, preparing a turkey for a belated celebratory dinner tomorrow with my friends. Well, Chester, we may not eat turkey over here, but when it's Thanksgiving, followed by that, what do you call it, Black Friday, the shopping day, big discounts and the big sales start here. And I saw on the news last night, they're already talking about massive discounts, get out and shop now. Yeah, well, that kind of segues into the first news item of the week. Uh, our colleague Carol posted to Naked Security this week, kind of with some suggestions and I thought it was a really good idea and that many of us uh, in the United States, of course, over Thanksgiving, will be spending it with our friends and family. But in addition to that, uh, most of us this time of year still get together for the holidays sometime in the next few weeks and get a chance to uh, catch up with long lost uh, friends and things. And we're often the people, especially that listen to this podcast and, and read Naked Security, are the most technical people that our friends and family know. Carol was uh, making the suggestion that it's a great time to, you know, check the people's web browsers. And if they're on IE6, you know, get them to get on the train and move up to IE9 or try out Firefox or Chrome or, you know, basically just make sure people are patched and up to date. And I, I kind of thought it was a great sentiment and to even kind of extend that a little bit and say it's not just about their browsers, but even their operating systems, whether it's their iPhone or OS X or, you know, Windows Vista, God forbid. Uh, whatever it might be, you know, give them a helping hand and help them stay safer online during the, the holiday season when you're doing a lot of shopping. Absolutely. You know, it seems a little strange to say, hey, you're going to get together with your family, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, to be talking about computer security. But as you and I have experienced in our respective countries, we had Cybersecurity Awareness Week. You guys had, in the US at least, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Weeks and months aren't enough. That's like having quit smoking afternoon. We actually need to be talking to our friends and our family and our colleagues and our bosses and our, the people who work for us all the time about security, because if we don't, the crooks are going to win. And it's not all about cyber war and cyber terrorism and one big break-in that gets $100 million. It's about Latvian cyber crooks making $72 million in one year, $75 at a time. Every little step that all of us takes actually makes things much harder for the cyber crooks. So I absolutely agree with it. Talk to your family over the holiday period. Make sure that if they're going online, and they'll probably spend more time online over the holiday period, make sure that they're actually doing so with the right circumspection. You published a story on Naked Security this week about... Uh, oh, I know what's the... coming. I know what's coming. <laughs> I suspect <laughs> it's going to be the charlatan, isn't it? Yes, apparently we're all charlatans, according to Chris DeBona, who happens to be the open source and licensing lead at Google. Well, I think, Chester, we have to be a little bit fair to the man. He didn't say we're charlatans. He said we're scammers and charlatans. Right. Well, I, I, I don't like to be thought of as a scammer. I think I'm more, better off with the charlatan. But, I mean, what's the story here? I mean, he, he's suggesting that the Android platform is virus-free, that people trying to sell security solutions on the platform uh, are apparently scammers and charlatans. Can you tell us more? My opinion is he's mixing a little bit of pedantry with a lot of poor assumptions about security. Loosely speaking, hey, he says, there are no viruses, and he means viruses in the old strict sense of self-replicating code on Android. So anyone who uses that term trying to sell you security software for the Android or other mobile platforms is, as he said, as likely as not, scammer and charlatan. 
The problem is that the alternative he offers, and the reason that he suggests that platforms like Android and iOS are inherently more secure, is not just, of course, that they use an open source operating system at their core, woohoo, but the fact that they work with, you know, in Apple's case, the App Store or the Android market, which means if you stick to those marketplaces, it means that if something bad does happen, there's a chance to have it revoked and clean everyone up. But the problem with the App Store or the Android market approach of trying to head off bad stuff and then when it happens, revoking it, is that it is inherently a reactive model. And I don't see why there should be any problem with someone trying to sell add-on security software for iOS or Android or any other mobile platform which tries to improve your overall online experience. And if he's getting really hung up on the use of the word virus, then he probably needs to go and look in a dictionary for words like metonymy and synecdoche, which is where words change their meaning so that a part can come to talk about the whole or vice versa. And when we talk about antivirus these days, as you and I know very well, we actually mean antivirus, anti-bad website, anti-scammer, anti-phishing, anti-spyware, and all of that stuff. So I think maybe he just had a bad day at the office and decided when he got home he'd go on Google Plus and have a bit of a rant. Unfortunately, if he's suggesting to people that there's some magic pixie dust in operating systems like iOS and Android, then he's missing the fact that every time anyone announces an Android root or an iOS jailbreak, they've effectively already proved that you can do something that wasn't supposed to be possible on the device in the first place. Yeah, it's not that uh, we're going to we we haven't seen a configure like event uh, on the mobile platforms yet, but we have actually you know seen genuine viruses for iOS with the uh, with, what was it the uh, Rick Roll me thing? Yes, uh, iKey, and then there was a what was written to be a virus and then edited to be a Trojan called Duh, uh, which came out a little bit later. Now he would say, ah, yes, but that was only for jailbroken devices, so it was only for people who you know, weren't playing by the rules. I think the problem is that what we need in both Android and in iOS is a little more, and this is just my opinion, a little more latitude on behalf of security developers that allows us to get a bit closer to the kernel and a bit more dug inside so that we can actually be innovative in trying to bring new security ideas to those platforms. Because if you look at what people were doing with Android tablets or iPads, they're not just using them for reading books and playing Angry Birds. Well, actually, most people are using them only for playing Angry Birds. But people are doing things like internet banking. So they're, they're using a browser, they're going online, and they're receiving the magic SMS token all on the same computer. In other words, they're actually turning it into a general-purpose computing device with software of their choice. And I think they need more than just the baked-in security in the operating system in order to keep themselves safe online. You know, what if they lose the device? What about remote wipe? What about making sure that encryption and passcodes are correctly enforced? All of that stuff. And Debona's article really implied, even though he was focusing on viruses in particular, he kind of implied that the security was baked in completely. And I think that really is misleading and gives a false sense of security. Yeah, it'd be great if it were true. We'll see what happens down the line. But at the moment, um, I personally have three Android devices and two of them I can't even patch against known vulnerabilities because it's not even possible. So without, again, breaking the, you know, rooting the device, as it were, and, and breaking the security model. That's so. an interesting irony, isn't it? That you, you have to hack the device to make it more secure. An irony which maybe Chris DeBona ought to take on board. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. We'll see if he comments. Um, moving on to the next story, there was a lot of stuff this week about SCADA or SCADA, depending on your region of the world, uh, hacking, which re- refers to 
basically industrial control systems. I mean, for people that aren't familiar with this stuff, these are things that operate valves and measure temperatures and control the speed of which motors run and things like this for controlling, um, you know, chemical processing, water treatment plants, uh, any kind of industrial process. What about nuclear centrifuges, uranium enrichment centrifuges? They control those. As yeah, well? I've heard. I've heard that there was a there was some kind of thing last summer stuck uh, stuckies. Uh, I can't remember stuck in the mud. Yeah, something like that. But uh, you know, it's in the news again because there was a, an alleged attack against a uh, water treatment plant near Springfield, Illinois, in the United States that turned on and off a motor enough times to burn it up. You know, it's the DHS has kind of uh, rescinded some of the statements saying that it was a hacker. Now saying they're not sure. They don't really know what happened. But it angered another hacker, a, a person named Prof, P-R-O-F, or P-R-0-F, into demonstrating, you know, he thought it was being downplayed too much by the uh, Obama administration and decided to hack into another treatment facility in South Houston, Texas, and posted screenshots and a bunch of information about how he was able to access their systems on Pastebin and actually did an interview with me on Naked Security as well. You know, what's the deal? Why are such, why are those arguably some of the most important things um, out there as far as safety, public safety is concerned and computing? Why are these things so easy to hack? I mean, why is it that some random person who just gets angry can break in and take over a water treatment facility to make a point? Well, what do we read into the fact that a pump got switched on and off many times until it failed? That can happen due to power regulator faults or all sorts of things. So the system, you would hope that the system is designed to detect and report that. The problem is, I think, that this idea of connecting everything to the internet, just as financial organizations have with their EFTPOS devices, their ATMs and so forth, it makes everything much more convenient. And unfortunately, it's what we consumers want. Hey, it'll make, it'll make it much easier to manage everything more effectively. But of course, it brings all these huge risks. So let's hope there's a silver lining to all of this and that people involved in writing software for SCADA devices and for industrial control devices actually think carefully about that interconnection point between their specialized networks of control and the internet as a whole. Well, that's really, I think, what uh, anybody that's responsible for managing, implementing, designing these systems, um, you know, in the short term should be questioning how and why they're connected to the internet and whether there's ways of securing that better. And, um, and in the future, of course, not pretending that that scenario won't exist. The last story I wanted to talk about this week, not to turn this into the Let's Bash Google on American Thanksgiving episode, but um, they did one of the more asinine things I've seen a company of their size do in quite a while. They, they made a statement about uh, people concerned with their privacy of basically using my wireless internet access point or my, you know, my Wi-Fi access point in my house as part of their commercial mapping service to do location-based services. And, uh, you know, the, the theory being that if they can see my Wi-Fi access point and perhaps the restaurant across the street from my condo uh, and, you're, and you don't have GPS or your GPS is failing, they can identify those access points uniquely and use me as a location beacon. And in order to opt out of this to maintain my privacy, they've suggested that I need to go and change my SSID on my router to be something underscore no map. I don't understand. I never chose to opt into them using my equipment without my permission. I'm not sure why or how I'm supposed to now change the way I configure my entire network in case they drive by in a car. And of course, there are other services doing exactly the same thing. And if they adopt the opt-out model, then they may ask you to put underscore no Apple iCloud map 
and you won't be able to opt out then of both at the same time. Exactly the same problem we had years and years ago when people figured, hey, the best way to deal with viruses is you put the self-infection marker that the virus uses to avoid a file into the file, and then you've immunized against that virus. Except that most of them use the beginning or the end of the file, so you could only immunize against one at a time. And this is exactly the same clownish, buffoonish activity. The other crazy thing about it is that it makes your opting out of something you didn't choose to belong to a matter of public record because it's now shown in your SSID. Well, and, and it also uh, it makes it easier if your SSID is hidden for it to be guessed as well. If you know that predictably the last six characters will be underscore or seven characters, as it were, underscore no. Chester, no, there's no six, such thing as a no hidden map. SSID. Well, that's true. There's just one that is not broadcast. So anyone who's using SSID hiding as a security measure, forget it, because anytime anyone does any traffic with your network, the SSID will be recovered. Uh, it is a measure that sort of says to people, you shouldn't be connecting to my network because I don't intend it magically to appear in your list. But it's a safety measure, not really a security measure. I think the problem is actually more fundamental than the whole Wi-Fi business. Personally, I would like to see the privacy commissioners in the developed world being a little more proactive about this whole opt-in and opt-out thing in all aspects of our life. I just think we've got that wrong. I don't see why commercial organizations should be able to harvest information that is about me, about my household, about the fact that I haven't mowed the lawn for three weeks when they took the photograph, all of that stuff. Why should they be allowed to photograph that on an enormously bulk scale and commercialize it and have privacy commissioners go, yeah, it's all right. It's all right because the law allows it. It may be very useful, but I think it's the thin end of a wedge of having intrusive collection of data in every single aspect of our lives without giving us any choice. And I think this that whole Wi-Fi thing and almost arrogance, you might say, about the underscore nomad. It should be the other way around. If I want to offer my Wi-Fi access point to Google's location service, then maybe I should put underscore yes map at the end. Yeah. I just don't get, like you, why it should be the other way around. I think that's wrong. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty crazy, and I don't think we're alone in this. Uh, certainly the Twitter fo uh, folks that I see chatting about it and, on, and blogging about it on the internet, uh, there seemed to be pretty much a universal exclamation of what? So that concludes our topics for Software Security Chat Chat 77. Uh, as always, for the latest news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Uh, you can get this podcast via RSS there uh, from podcasts.sophos.com, from iTunes, or on Stitcher. And until next time, stay secure.